Marta Sheik, researcher extraordinaire, came by to waste some time with us today. What a gem she was. On top of showing up with some deadly snacks straight from her native country of Poland, she dropped some knowledge on her past successes, current projects, and future dreams. One of those dreams is curing cancer. Her current work looks promising at eliminating 12 different kinds, which is an incredible feat. The hard work and dedication she has put into her lab cannot be replicated by any normal functioning individual. Marta is so busy fixing the world, but still took a few hours to stop by and chat. Mrs. Sheik, thank you for everything. Tired of studying alone at home? Using the same old books, practicing the same old basic English patterns? It's time to step up your game and get the practice you need to become a fluent English speaker. Dr. English is an all-in-one English learning platform. Qualified native speakers can help you start or continue on your journey to English fluency today. Enjoy learning from the comfort of your own home. Call 10 4591 1496 for a free sample class. Open your doors to endless opportunities. Take your English to the next level by visiting their website now at www.dr-english.com. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. Welcome to another episode of This Korean Life, number 56, featuring Marta Sheik with no H. No H. <laughs> nice to meet you. We, uh, we recruited another... Uh, Another scientist here from uh, from Eunice to come in and talk to us for uh, on a on a Sunday morning. So, can you please for the for the layman, can you explain in uh, in simple terms kind of what you're into or what you hold uh, on? You do another oh. scientist. Who was the last one? Uh, Amit. Oh, okay. Why? 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 Uh-huh. I, I was just wondering. I, th- I was thinking, who? What other scientists have we had? Okay. Oh, Amit was from Bostech, not Eunice. Oh yeah. I thought but he works at Eunice. His brother works at you. His brother works at you. Okay. Good Lord. Sorry, Amit. We still love you. Anyways, would you mind uh, introducing your uh, your nanoscale uh, technology to us? In uh... <laughs> my, my nanoscale technology. Okay. My my nanoscale technology uh, is mainly focused on. It will sound cheesy, but mm. finding the cure for cancer. It is. Oh. Um, cheesiest topic ever I can't believe you decided to dedicate (laughs) your life to this and to say it out loud yeah no seriously um, since we are institute for basic science we are not yet on the applied level so we are uh, we are trying to find a very simple physical phenomenon that will bring us the answer from a biological system so like Normally, when you think about curing cancer, you're thinking about a specific drug, very specific molecule, mm. which will do very specific thing in very specific cell. Mm. What we are trying to get is something more universal. You're having a material with uh, specific properties. In our case, it's a charge. Um, and in our dreams, it will 
influence um, it will have you know disastrous influence on cancer cells mm. only cancer cells mm. being safe for normal cells and it will not be limited to only one type of cancer it will mm. be more universal and honestly we are on a quite proper route towards that mm. uh, we managed to publish last year a very nice paper in nature nanotechnology showing that our nanoparticles actually are <clears throat> effective towards 13 different types of cancer very nice being safe to normal cells so that's that's amazing of course in the route to from here to to becoming a drug or or a therapy there are plenty of steps and we are fighting with some mess ups of course it, it cannot work perfectly mm. uh so yeah that's broadly speaking my job i'm, yeah. I'm dealing with everyday problems what would be i mean current current cancer treatment is radiation and, and, uh, chemotherapy. and chemotherapy which is well a machine that shoots you with high you know, energy what, right, high energy whatever. and then you get the the injection what yes. would be your method of delivery or how do you what's a vehicle that delivers your nano particles uh, for now we imagine that would be uh, applied just like chemo oh, okay, so okay. intravenously uh the state of the research for now is that we cannot really deliver it through blood because there are problems with immune system. Mm. We are generating too much hype uh, in the immune system. So mm. for in first trials in mice, we were putting those nanoparticles directly into tumor. Mm. Um, and it was somehow working, somewhat working. Still not as well as on the dish, of course, mm. uh, but we're we're getting there to to make it more efficient. Very. Nice. I got tons of questions based on what you just said. <laughs> First, who is who is we? I, I imagine your team, but who, what is it? How many people is it made up of, or how many scientists, or, or who is we? Uh, we is a subgroup of our group. Uh, it consists currently of uh, three main researchers. Let's say. And three students, plus our dear boss, of course, of course. <clears throat> and but of course, the the number of people changes over time. Those projects are very long, and you know the rotation of people in the lab is quite uh, quite fast. So, yeah, for now it's for six pairs of hands. So that's your particular job or part of the Institute for Basic Science is trying to find a cure for cancer. Among other things, yes, it's it's only okay. one of my projects. Okay, how many projects would you have going at one time? Um, my record was four, I think. <laughs> record. <laughs> yeah, it's not so easy. Yeah, it must Especially be must be hard to, to balance. You know, report every week progress from all the <clears throat> projects. So, thank you, boss. Um, what Lord. what is the kind of timeline? Uh, you said your particles have showed. Uh, impact on the negative cancer cancer cells, whatever. What is the typical timeline from this stage where you guys are to like bringing a product to market? Is it five to ten years? Is it one to three years? Depends on your results, huh? But I mean, I mean, from the stage we are at, yeah. uh, I would shoot up to ten years. Up to ten years. Yes, because wow. we are on the very beginning. We didn't do any serious uh, in vivo studies, so with animals, uh, we still have plenty of problems to solve with this material. It's very promising, but you know, it, it should be even less harmful than it is right now. Even more selective, and this this takes uh, a lot of tweaking. 
how how do you know that it's very promising? Well, so far is you know from the results thirteen different types okay. of cancer cells on a dish. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're going in the right direction, but it's still that's a, our bet, yes. a very long process. It is. How do you feel as a, a a team of six, as you mentioned? I mean, there must be hundreds or thousands of teams around the world doing similar things. When when I used to work out there, and I I used to have a class with a guy who was in I, I forget what. Anyways, he was. I think he was trying to make the bioluminescence in jellyfish uh, turn into a paint or something that could be used on bicycles. So that when bicycles, at nighttime, bicycles would glow in the dark for safety. Mm. And he brought me in there into his laboratory and I put on the spacesuit and stuff and I went in there and he had mice. Like this mouse was programmed to glow like Christmas. He'd be red white green red white green and this mouse would be korea red blue white red and and he would have different mice glowing in different colors and it was cool but he said like he was four years into his phd or something and he said the end is no it might be tomorrow it might be five years later and that instead of trying to like find the solution it was kind of like eliminating every other piece until you got down to the final piece and that would be the solution but there might be a million pieces. How, I don't even know what my question is, but you're one team of teams how, all over the world. How do you stay motivated to, knowing that they're, that the end is five years in the future or there is no end? Or, or that somebody else is going to have your solution tomorrow and you've been doing it for three, four, five years, but someone else beat yeah. you to the solution. That's actually quite common. So, no, the, the motivation, I would say you, you uh, stay... Curing cancer. Well, you're building your motivation on smaller successes, like small pieces, you know, tiny, tiny success of today will bring you through tomorrow and just one step at a time, basically. So is that like you publish these three pieces of the puzzle are not the answer? So other labs around the world can just cross those off because you guys have figured that part out and we can move on to other parts of the puzzle? Well, sort of. And I would love if scientific publishing would actually cross out some things because no one, absolutely no one is publishing negative results. So, uh, to be honest, huh. you don't know which pieces of the puzzles are already crossed out. <laughs> well, that's an endless puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You, you need and to base on like, your intuition. One of the reasons that is why biomedical research is very difficult. Like you can make a drug which will cure cancer, but then it can also cause heart attack in actual samples. So like <laughs> how severe. <laughs> yeah. So you need to actually eliminate everything else that is possible. That's why it ah. takes. So there's no, there would be no collaboration between you and other. I, I know when they were developing the COVID vaccine, that was like kind of a world effort to to speed up the yes there there's no collaboration in your uh between you and in a non unister whatever affiliated there 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 are collaborations Hmm. sure there are uh for example one of them is also with the lab who is working with covid i guess that's the one part of this ibs having like one center for one specific field it's like center for soft and living matter so it does not matter whether you come from a physics training or a computation training or a as long as you can contribute chemistry training. Mm. Yeah, as long as your interest is in uh, like soft and living matter, which mm. is like biological and like on the border of where all of these things intersect, like mm. biological phenomena playing part in physical mm. phenomena. Exactly. That, that's in why diseases. I called it a melting pot. Yeah, mm. bringing everyone together. 
So, like, like the what, kind what's of... your background? Like, I'm a physical chemist. Yeah, I, I was like physics majors in university. So, like, uh, the center is comprised of various expertise, but the interests are very similar. Oh, okay, okay. So, it's like a... so is this is this something you mentioned the institute in Germany that this is modeled after? Is this something common around the world, or is this kind of like the elite of science where you bring all those aspects together? And are all those fields together for a common goal or is this pretty common all over the place? I would say that the IBS and Max Planck type institutes are common in the countries who can afford that because okay. it costs a lot of money to, you know, especially to, to buy the equipment for such a center. Here we are lucky enough that we can use the equipment from UNIST, mm. which is incredible. Yeah. For me, it's a scientific Eldorado. It's it's so crazy for me to have landed in Ulsan, which you know it seemed uh, a far second place to Seoul, where originally I wanted to go, and watching all of these things develop around around the city, and you really like when a a professional opinion like yours says it's it's an unbelievable institute. That's it's dope. That's crazy. Well, I'll tell you when <laughs> again when I was working out there, and I. I became friends with Eric and mm -hmm. I forget who his best buddy was, but they Colin. came, Colin, they came together from Texas oh. and I, I knew them when they first got here and they were like, dude, you cannot believe what these guys have. And they described one of two uh, extremely rare microscopes in the world is in their lab. And the other one was at Texas U, I think, but you needed like a six months in advance reservation and like two weeks of training to use it. <laughs> and they, the microscope has its own caretakers who have to clean and, and maintain it. Yes. And he's like, at hey, Unist, you just walk in and say, I want to use it. <laughs> he's like, Dude, you can't believe the freedom here. And he's like, they don't have their own caretaker. No one can teach you how to use it. So it was kind of almost better because you had to figure it out on your own. But if you broke even <laughs> the smallest part, oh. it's two hundred thousand dollars for one little screw that you twisted the wrong way or something. Like, and you have that's to wait the problem. six months for it, right? So oh. <laughs> when those guys told me it, I was like, "Come on, you guys are pretty young and you're pretty green." He's like, "But listen, we're coming from Texas, you, and that's a pretty awesome facility. And this is like beyond our dreams of what we can do here. So it's either really good because we have free access and availability to all of this, or it's a nightmare if you, you know, get overzealous and, and get all in there and screw something up. Then it's a there disaster. There are plenty of this this type of people, of <laughs> oh, yeah. students mostly, yes. Uh, but so uh, why is it so? Is it just like there's they haven't had the time to develop that kind of specialty around it, or what? Like it seems so hard to get access to <clears throat> things like that. No, let, let's put it this way: there is a gradation of quality of the equipment. Yeah, the. Basic level is available to everyone. You just have a short training, you sign on a list, come, go, do your job. And those those microscopes, usually we are talking about microscopes, uh, are on, in the worst shape possible because, you know, if it's public, it's no You mean everywhere or out there? Uh, out there okay. at, at yeah. UNIST. I, I've never seen such a situation anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the point. But there are also machines that are really top-notch, mm. like the yeah. one of, for example, TEMs, that there are only a couple of them in the world. And there is a dedicated person who can, you know, touch those screws, 
you can, if you're nice, you can sit with him in the room when he's taking images of your samples. Mm-hmm. But shush. Yeah, yeah. Don't even try to look at this machine too yeah. intensely. <laughs> and you need to apply for this uh, many, many months in advance, okay. probably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whole politics around it. Right. But it's worth it. Cool, it's yeah. worth it. And, you know, so many different types of equipment that are here that are relatively easy to use. So you don't really need some special training. They are very hard to break. Mm. So <laughs> seriously, they are dummy proof. Yeah. Sometimes they have only, the, you know, the play button and that's it. Yeah. I think that, that, I mean, having all that extreme technology, that speaks to Korean culture because it feels like here, if you see the Koreans in any... Um, in any environment, whether they're bowling, they need the robot bowling arm to, you know, if you're going hiking, you need two poles in the, the full gear. And it, I mean, I laugh at that, but you I mean, have university, you need to have it. Equipped. Yeah. So, I mean, while I'm over here punching down at the, at the guys hiking up a small mountain with, with 80 liter backpacks. So the, the, pay off, yeah, <laughs> the payoff is having, uh, having top notch, uh, university facilities. Is yeah. that, is that something that you knew prior to coming? Is that something that would convince a, a researcher or a scientist to come here? Or is that you don't look at that stuff. You look at more like what they're publishing and what they're accomplishing. Or do you look at, like, because those Colin and, and Eric there, they, they sounded kind of surprised when they got here, like, holy shit, man, we, are go- we just followed our professor here, but we didn't know it was this good. Um, so is that something that most people wouldn't consider or, or would? Uh, probably it will depend whether you are doing experiments or you're a theoretical scientist. Yeah. I came in um, for that. The microscope? Yeah, like the all the yeah. systems. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know. I came for my boss. Okay, that, that's what I find a lot of people do. They follow their, their boss or they follow a, a professor because, here. You know, let's be honest. First, you're finding the group or the professor who is publishing in the in the area that you're interested in. Right. And you go wherever they are. If they are able to publish this good work in those journals, right. that means that they can. They yeah. have means to do it. So right. you go. If the equipment's here or not, those guys know what they're doing and how to get it done. Exactly. So somewhat they can. Yeah. And I guess like the part of uh, philosophy of this setting up these IBS is that we will give you a lot of access and funding and you don't have to worry about that part. Because in other, even in, top, yeah, that, even in top universities in US, faculty have to work very hard to write grants and stuff. Here it's not Here that we are, difficult. We are forbidden in IBS to yeah. write grants. Really? Forbidden by Korean government. They want to take care of everything? Yes, they went. We have well, budgets. That's what I learned out there was that the money seems unlimited. But hold on, it just it's, seems. It, it if is. you're if you're a scientist trying to <laughs> trying to to develop something, you don't you shouldn't have to worry about money or campaigning or or begging to to get funds to to research. As long as there's a little oversight and and you gotta check a few boxes and show where it's going. I mean, politics has gotten outrageous now. The money just, I mean, you can just print a trillion dollars and flush it in the toilet and then it's just gone. And what happened? <laughs> there, there's no there's no accountability anymore. So, yeah, I think as long as you're showing the results and, and there's a track record, then, yeah, I, I fully agree. Now, when you, you said you kind of latched onto your professor, you were interested in, in or your boss, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and you follow him. 
does your whole group of six come from Poland? No, 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 no. And how hard is it, sorry, to how hard is it for a new team member coming in to adapt to your kind of existing relationship or existing team? Okay, starting from the first, first part of the question, um, when I had this small dream, like this dude is awesome, I want to work with him. Mm. He was still at Northwestern University. Mm. It was many years before. Um, Where is he from? Poland. Okay, he's Polish. Mm. Uh, he he was educated and he was living in in states for many 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 years. You know, Yale, Harvard, this kind of stuff. So you hear about him in high school or something? Or uh, he came with a lecture when I was on my master studies, and he was talking about he the software he was developing, Chematica, uh, okay. which. The, the basic idea behind that is that the whole organic chemistry, whole synthetic chemistry can be treated as a box of Lego. I can understand that. <laughs> those, those, those pieces are repeatable. Just taking a couple different pieces, you're building something new. Mm. But the processes, the, the number of options in this combinatorial world is limited. Finally. So you can actually algorithmize uh, the, the synthesis. And... So far, well, he was working at uh, this software for like 20-something years. Oh, my God. Uh, that's why I'm saying that uh, scientists are stubborn. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was, and, the, that was the thing, that was the moment when he presented that. You're like, this guy's awesome. I was awesome. like, yeah, this I gotta way go of thinking, yes, yeah. I want to do that. I want, so yeah, nice. yet another lesson, guys. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> I landed in Korea. And then he said, I'm going to Wilson. Where the hell is it? <laughs> Where the hell is Wilson? Exactly. Oh, you know, it's like a Korean San Francisco. They have a beautiful bridge. That's what he told you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like... Beautiful bridge. When did you... How long have you been here? Six years. Well, the big bridge wasn't even there yet. He's talking about Tewa Bridge? Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe he was actually thinking about Gwangan Bridge in Busan. Oh, probably. Uh, probably. Close enough. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Busan's more like San Francisco. Right? More, yeah. than, more than Ulsan. <laughs> yeah, San Francisco. I would think at the car factory and the... <laughs> Whatever, you know, the, basically when he was when he was recruiting me here, it was like, oh, okay, that will be your salary. Uh, just don't be scared. We are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. You up for it? Well, no, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't have basically any limits on the budget for the next couple of years. So whatever <laughs> you want, we can buy it. Nice. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean whatever I want? You'll see. <laughs> and then I'm landing here and all of a sudden we have like um, atomic force microscopy costing like $750,000 uh, confocal microscope only for our group 1.5 million uh, state of the art top notch you know custom made uh, <laughs> tiny beautiful toy uh, and uh, I was like shit yeah, this is we, awesome, we yeah. really have <laughs> Tons of money. <laughs> and here comes the end of the year. Yeah, we have to close the fiscal year. And here comes the email from administration. Dear members of the center, you have to start spending money. Otherwise, they will cut our budget for next year. Oh, my God. Like, ladies, how much do we still have? $100,000 for chemicals and disposables and small things. I'm like, okay, any, any budget for big things? What would you like to buy? Maybe we can actually do it. Wow. 
this place is insane. I am spoiled rotten here. Yeah. If I when I'm thinking about coming back to Europe to to do science like in normal normal <laughs> academia <laughs> and I would have to write grants. I would have to teach students like literally give mm. lectures and teach them. Uh, you say it I'm, with such disgust. Because I, I really don't like teaching. Yeah. Not, not like the general population. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I can teach people who are coming to me asking me questions, like, yeah. you know, really wanting to know. I, understandable. But when, when you see the room of like 150, you know, born. 75 sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Fully agree. Those are absolutely the conditions you need to, to make any progress. When you're in such a in such a focused field, like man, you can't be worrying about other about other crap. You need to eliminate all those. I think everything outside of your work, man. Whether it's uh, whatever. Eunice Eunice started in two thousand eight, I think two thousand nine, and when they when it opened, I was like, that's a pretty ambitious plan to open up like one of the. And it already said like top. What's their top thirty? What's top twenty twenty? Yes, top, I think it was yeah, top 20 by, 20. by 30, 2030, I think. They, no, they, no, they changed it. They, they keep kicking yeah, the yeah, can yeah, down yeah. the road. Um, <laughs> they're being realistic. And, and, and I was like, wow. Because a couple of my buddies got, got jobs out there and stuff. And they were telling me, you know, it wasn't... At the beginning, everybody got an iPhone. Every new student got an iPhone. Hey, they had the to, first you know, convince them to, to come sure. here. So it was, and the Seven Eleven clerk spoke English, and the janitor spoke English. Wow. Everybody there spoke English. What happened then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but but this was this was it. It was the only all English institute in the country, and they they had very ambitious goals and some of that. You don't hear of too many universities opening, especially in this kind of uh, field, and trying to cut out their own piece of the pie. Like, sure, but let, thought, let me make a tiny footnote here. They were ambitious and they made it, at least in chemistry. Right now, UNIST is in top 20 in the world in field of chemistry. Oh, for global, last year it was ranked 176. That's not bad. Overall. For, for science university? Everything. Yes, every, no every university in the world. Like, so, yeah. So, like, no, well, that was going to be that was going to be coming later that they've, like, for batteries, I know for, for batteries, they're one of the top three in the world, I think, for yeah. batteries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, batteries... Yeah. Uh, uh, DNA engineering, yeah, yeah, yeah. programming. The professor saw Kim, the guy who maps the genomes. Mm -hmm. The Genome Institute is one of the best in the world. He's mapped the whale, the gray whale. He's mapped all kinds of tiger, all kinds of stuff, and he's got one of the best uh, ones in the world. So, hundred percent. There's some. That's why I loved it there. There was so much amazing shit going on. Come by. You just had to ask. You just had to ask people and get involved instead of just. You know, we were teaching uh, effective communication or something. But instead of that, if I started asking them about what you really do, these guys are sophomores in laboratories. And like, they know some cool shit, man. And we had David Kim on. Oh, what was... Oh, my God. It, his, it, his final exam was 3D printing a car or something. And I was like, holy no, shit. No, no. What, what, like, what kind of, yeah, what kind of projects did you do? Like, oh, nothing big. I just built a... Where, he built a drone that could fall from like 300 meters out of the sky and wouldn't get dented or, or something. He made it seem so like, well, it's not nothing big. Just made this, <laughs> developed this new special material that's like bulletproof or something. I don't know. So what I, what I realized when I talked to those students was they had to take their courses from Department of General Studies, but they didn't give a shit about them. It was all about their, for, they were laser focused on something, whatever that was. And if you got into yeah. that and you could talk 
about that with them, they would talk to you for, for days and days. They were so passionate about it. Um, you have to be. Otherwise, you will not survive that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what where I was going. Oh, it opened in 2008. How, I mean, now they seem to have cut out a huge piece of their, their own pie. I mean, they were competing with Postec and Keist and Digist and whatever. Where... And I think Keist opposed it for a long time because they thought they're going to lose a lot of their funding oh, to Unis. Oh, they Unist. still do. So how, how what is the relationship now with is that the biggest three? Keist, Postec, and, and Unis. So what is the, but these are pretty specialized, right? Soul Nationals. With Keist and Postec, mostly we have the I wouldn't say the beef. I Mo- think mostly they have their, their own competitions. I think they are their own expertise fields. Right. So they don't fight over those things so like, i was going to ask i was going to ask like uh in terms of recruiting in terms of funding in terms of collaboration is it all like we're part of the same science team or is it no we do this and you guys don't know what you're talking like is it there are there div- are many, a lot of divisions or is it mostly many, many fields of, of collaborations that for sure um we are competing mostly with kais in terms of uh, number of students because Keist is older, Keist have, you know, this prestige, image. prestige yeah. yeah, as a well-established university. Unist is still <laughs> baby. It is, yeah. And, you know, with, with this, um, I would say, traditional, not to say conservative even, Korean society, it's like, ah, this Unist, ah, this new thing, mm, go to something better. It's not sky. So, not, yeah. so what, how is it now? I mean, even in Korea, even in Korea, it had that reputation before, but now it's, you know, whatever, 12, 13 years on. And I think it's developing its own characters, its own personality, its own image, its own reputation. Is that seen amongst the people like you guys working there? Is that, are they stepping out of their their diapers and getting their big boy shorts on or? I think so. But, you know, what uh, what makes UNIS very different from other universities is, I think, the number of international students. Mm. Because having this name of, you know, English-speaking university, uh, we're attracting many, many, many different nations. Mm. And I think other universities still provide some important courses in Korean. Mm. But in UNIS, everything is in English. So that... Well, listen, if you want to survive in 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 the current birth decline here in uh, in korea that's the only way that's the only way to yeah. uh, to do it man and you see all the other universities doing it too taking in international students you got to deal with it with uh in your uh, yeah your that's just whoever will come it's not it's yeah. not based on any criteria anybody want to come we don't have any kids but the the through line is that you know you can't fill the fill it up with uh with only korean students in it and it's good to have uh, a mix of people coming from different backgrounds different countries but, that's, but it also uh, opens up Means it all. It also shows the native Korean kids that oh, there are these many opportunities outside. Means mm. being with so being in an international atmosphere also impacts the Korean kids. Who Absolutely, just come yeah. here to do their job. Very much. Well, yes. I used to have kids that would say, uh, "I'm going to miss the midterm exam because I'm going to Mexico for a workshop or something." Like, you go on a freaking Cancun for a workshop? <laughs> what? And that was like the unlimited money part. And it was like, yeah, I was really good out of high school and I got into a laboratory in my second Silicon semester <laughs> and I'm going to Cancun. I was like, Cancun? That sounds like a vacation, not a not a conference or something. No, I'm presenting and I have – and I was like, 
okay, it sounds a little bit real, but but you're going to Cancun. Like that's not even that's as far away as you can get, man. Like well, that's from not here, yeah. that's not easy to get to. Couldn't you find a conference closer to Korea? Um like you I mean, could, but usually the best conferences, the biggest ones, the most prestigious ones, go to the fancy are places. In very fancy places. Yeah. yeah. So I was I was shocked when I had a freshman in second semester. He said I was one of the best kids in Korea coming out of physics or whatever. And uh, one of the professors took me in right away, and we're going to Cancun. I was like, well, okay, you can take it when you get back. I guess. <laughs> Have a I, nice flight. Right. Yeah. I can't do anything about that. But that spoke to me in terms of the funding that's available, that they're taking these young kids even. Yeah. But when you give them a taste of that exposure and what's out there, it just makes them want more and, and gives them that desire to, yeah. to chase more. But, so You know, in general, Korea is maybe, I'm not sure if the first or first three, uh, having the biggest percentage of GDP for allocated. science, allocated yeah. for science and development. Yeah. So this also gives us here... You know, a handicap over the rest of the world. Well, they, there's not a lot of natural resources here. I mean, they have to, they have to yeah, invest they have to in something. in something. So, no, but it's good also because uh, the professors in units they also get like local Korean government projects. So, right, they have like immediate impact on the policies or whatever the organization. But all, especially units here. Uh, working with SK and Hyundai, I mean, to be in an industrial city with that kind of research going on it's ideal i mean and you look at the hydrogen the hydrogen cars now and, and what they're building here and the hydrogen stations and now the hydrogen villa or actually mall or whatever a friend they call of it. mine uh, boris is is working in this group um in you know, energy engineering broadly speaking and yeah. uh, if they, i name my kid boris i expect him to be in that field <laughs> <laughs> or the other one right or nuclear um and and they they actually have this uh collaboration with with hyundai they they are doing some projects with sk they are you know building um hydrogen generation plants and yeah. helping them to 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 make it happen actually yeah. so it's it's got to be well, I, it's amazing yeah i know there's a there's a lot of collaborations i mean in sk i mean if you're in chemistry i mean sk is a dream of chemistry i mean if you go out there you're like Holy shit! There's more chemicals and stuff flying around here than it's it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 work. I mean, to, they have the biggest oil refinery, single site oil refinery in the world. Yes. So and, and all the byproducts of of refining oil and everything, all the the resin pellets and everything, like they have products that go into making every single thing that you you use in day to day life. I mean, the and and Bas Bas and Songwon. I mean. These guys are all offshoots of all that chemistry, chemical industry. So, it's a it's a great place to have that university. Yes, I mean, I, I think if you had it in, in many other cities, I, there's not that direct opportunity this for the, especially the Korean students to go and see and to apply what they're learning directly to industries in their city. I think is is a really good opportunity. That's uh, that's something I found with my undergrad uh, hard to uh, hard to do that there was no connection between and there was. Between that and life and how I could possibly apply that, I would imagine it's much different in, in science, especially growing up here. Right? Well, well, I mean, go to other cities. You don't see the hydrogen cars they have here because no everything station. comes out of Hyundai. Yeah, but when they when the electric cars rolled out, I mean, the the subsidies and the government funding here that goes into that stuff is incredible. It's and somewhat easier to make the uh, recharge station for electric cars than the hydrogen oh, much, much. refilling. Yeah. Mm. But still, Ulsan, I think, has nine hydrogen stations. 
and Seoul has two or three. Because so, we are starting this whole big business right here. That, that's what I mean. So that we are that, like a testing ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got all all a of that city. Av- available to you. So we're yeah. gonna, we're going to be a crater or super <laughs> or super uh, <laughs> super rich or whatever. What what do you think the future is for for Unist in this top? Before I th- when I got there, I thought it was like top ten in the world, and I was like, somebody's drinking the Kool Aid. And then it was top 10 science university. And then it was like top 10 specialty university. And I don't, what, where, where are they at now? And <laughs> best coffee in Ulsa. What, what do you think? Like 10 years, 20 years later, are they going to be one of the elite? I mean, do they have the potential to be one of the elite places or? Definitely the potential is there. And we are more than halfway through in some of the, um, some of the disciplines. Like, like I said, in, in <laughs> chemistry, we are top 20 already. Uh, in like um, is top twenty sounds pretty good, but I mean, is there like fifty heavyweight schools in the world that are in that field, or is there thousands? Um, if you imagine a standard European university, like the you know stereotypical, yeah. every single one of them has a chemistry department. Mm. So, but but that's what I mean. Like those are but those are basic, right? This is kind of like hyper specialized, isn't it? I mean, top twenty if. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the average Canadian university in the same category as Eunice because it, it's definitely not the same category. Well, sure, but polytechnics, Eunice is in a category of polytechnic, yeah, okay. science and technology. Yeah. How how are they evaluated? Is it just on what's published or what's what's published and how is it cited? Uh, okay. So you know, it's it's not enough to be just published. Mm. You should be published in a good journal with good impact factor, and yeah. then someone should read it and use it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well done. Otherwise, cool. So yeah, I think that um, maybe the timeline for them is a bit stretched. Yeah, but they definitely have a potential to to really reach the tops. Hmm. They're on. They're I on the right if track. You also evaluate how much direct impact Unist has. Like a lot of faculty in Unist have their own companies or collaborations with yes. companies it's very very high in UNIS like I don't think there are a lot of universities in the world which have such connections is such that is that a good thing or is that a conflict of interest uh, it's a good thing if you're going because, for applied yeah. sciences you're actually applying your science so this is the the, the very straightforward payback you mean you dear people invested a, in yeah, us a guy working on uh, imaging and developing algorithms can directly go to the hospital and work with the patients. I don't think that's so. conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. We are talking like you know yeah. connections like between MIT or Caltech with the with the outside world. Right. Maybe not yeah. that prestigious yet, but you know but the we're, structure we're is getting up there. there. Yeah, the structure is up there. I think that's awesome. It's definitely on the map. Like people notice Unist and they know that it's world class. Well, I say even ten, well, eight years ago, um, the I think I looked him up, Professor Jung, <clears throat> and the Genome Institute was. I mean, if it if nothing else, the Genome Institute people knew what Unist was, and the battery, the battery field people knew they were producing some of the best stuff here. Um, you mentioned about research before, and we were talking a little bit about being resilient or stubborn. When someone publishes, there was a German company that published one of the battery results like two days before Unist, and they were Ooh. and they were devastated. Um, but uh, but you know, published is one thing. Usually, in such situations, we are also looking at the dates when you when you are sending the paper to the editor to the journal. Right. 
because you know publishing process it's not like you're sending and click it's online yeah. yeah you have the peer review process one reviewer will do it in two weeks the other will do it in two months mm. and there is nothing you can do about that so submission dates more important than in in those cases <laughs> yeah, yeah i would say yes um so so in but i would be but like so, so choked. <laughs> yes. to be honest we have that hard heartbreaks at every level like you think of an idea and you think it's a new one you google it it's there yeah <laughs> even worse you started your experiment yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's working and it's exactly as you wanted it to be and so catching new paper Yeah, some oh, German yeah. guy did it 60 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 60? No, it's brand new. It's brand new. It just popped up. Oh, that's got to be. Um, no, when it's 60 years old, that means that you screw that you're. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Can you can you speak to if you can't? It's no problem. But uh, there's there's lots of stories uh, allegedly around Korea of the pressure, especially for the Korean professors to produce and to publish. And there's a lot of there's been a lot of scandals brought to light in the last 10 years of the fake publishing. And, you know, I didn't publish anything. So I take the book, take the cover off, make a new and and, and the actual publishers or the, the booksellers will say, hey, Marta, you haven't published in two years. You're going to be out of here. We got 60,000 extra books in your field. We can just change the book cover. And that's those, those well, those have happened. They're all over. And Eunice hasn't come up in any of them but they named they did the name and shame there three years ago with like 80 different universities they didn't say the professor's names but they did put the universities on the list oh my mm-hmm. Eunice wasn't part of that their their name didn't come up as far as it I knew it was too young it was uh, yeah. but 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 there is a lot of pressure to publish and if you don't so I, I mean how does it affect your 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 day-to-day work and when You feel that, oh, my God, oh, my God. And in Korea, I mean, that's what it is. They find a way. One way or another, they're going to have something published. They're not going to go down with nothing. At least they want to get caught, not wanting, at least they will get caught cheating instead of nothing. But they might make it through based on. But is that the idea of juggling more than one, more than one research project at a time? You got your long term, you got your short term that you're going to publish and you're. Yeah, that's the end plus collaborations. That okay. that that always should give you. Some... Can you put my name on it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yes, yeah. because yeah. here comes the guy who is telling you, "Oh, you know what? I have this one measurement to do," mm. and then you're like, "But you know what? I really, really, really need a paper right now." So you know, tit for tat. Yeah. And. Hey, sure, sometimes it works like that. Sometimes it doesn't, around, yeah. depending on what you do for someone and how, how important for the outcome of the project it is. Mm. Because, sure, no one will, will put you on a, on a paper uh, just for saying, yeah, yeah, good work, or for reading the manuscript and no correcting question. the English. Um, but, okay, let's be honest. Ethics in science, like in every other field, is... <laughs> it should be it's there. It, it's it's not always there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's it's extremely shameful thing because the the more, pardon my language, fuck ups like this are appearing in public. The the least trust to science there is. Well, we right. are now seeing it yeah. in the COVID. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So every hiccup yeah. with yeah. something serious. Uh, is is basically translated into all oh, those sciences, but they are cheating. Why, yeah. why would we? Mm. Why are we going to invest in that? They are cheating. Mm. So, and it seems to have become a much bigger problem. And, and it's not, it's not baloney anymore. There's evidence of it creeping up 
all the time and, yes. and a lot more. So and all like the more in, challenging. In Korea, this this big scandal, it was, I think, two years ago, just before COVID, when professors were caught putting the names of their children right. on, on, on the authors list. Yeah. Children 14 in high years school. old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As a co-author uh, of a science, so they can get into Harvard or somewhere else. So they, uh, oh, which gosh. is a complete bullshit, and this that should be just you know penalized with I don't know what with limiting funding at least. It, uh, it's outrageous. But what about like when I was when I was at Unist? I mean, we used to laugh because the monthly you know rankings and publications and everything would come out in like a newsletter. <laughs> Jimmy from Grade Two, we like published four Unist, <laughs> but no, but it was like Unist was publishing two times or three times more. This is what material I'm than any other university in the country. I was like, this is what I want to talk. But about. you're publishing in like MickeyMouse.com or something. Like, come <laughs> on, another... did you? You guys are just inventing these journals and making your own journals to publish in. Like, how <laughs> does that <laughs> count? Because you said you know it counts on how many publishes or how many times your university's published and the and the, ref, the references and but, the quality of the journal. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, and what, like it seemed like it was just based on quantity rather than quality. Like, out of all these things. How come none of them are in a journal outside of Ulsan? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what, what, what journals are these? Yeah, that's, um, that's you can't tell me that you know Unist is, is seven, <laughs> seven or eight years old and publishing two or three times more than, than Keist is. I just don't yeah, believe it. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea how Korean professors and how the Unist as a gen pop is, is publishing. I know what we are doing. Right. And I know that... Like why our projects are taking so much time because our boss is really whipping our asses to get the proper reproducibility studies, proper right. statistics, proper, okay, and now you get out for two days and you, Zara, will be, you know, repeating those experiments and we'll see if it works. Mm. If it works, mm. then we are writing, but we are always aiming for the highest possible. Which is what should be done. So that's what I just meant here in terms of, you know, these guys... And I think some of them are the same. They're kind of awestruck when they come. They're, most of them are educated in America. They come back and they're like, holy shit, man. And I don't know what Eunice tells them because they get some pretty awesome guys. They go and fish out some pretty good guys. And I don't know if they tell them like, hey, you got a blank check. But I remember one professor there telling me that they could get paid three times more than what they were getting in the States. And he said, I don't even, I'm from Korea and I didn't even hear it, Wilson, but I'm coming back for it 100%. <laughs> because it was just, the money was unlimited. And they said, you know, we had our two kids in the States. They got American passports. We did our work here. We got an opportunity. We're coming home. And uh, that's how a lot of them end up at Unist. And uh, I just think the the pressure, I mean, from, from elementary school here, the pressure to perform and to succeed, when they say you got to publish every, what is it? Every couple of years? Uh, no, my as soon as possible, <laughs> as, as much as you can from one side. Right. Uh, it, it all depends on the on the let's call it a scoring system. There are some groups in the world that, in general, the institute is telling you that you should be on at least one paper per year. There are uh, there are, for example, grant proposals in which you have to state how many papers you are going to get from this project. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy, right? But that's but, I mean, even the one paper a year, like. How do you have time to focus on a, you know, what you need to do when you're always worried about making a paper? Um, That's a global issue. Like, do you do short-term, quick papers, or do you do a long? Right. Well, that that's the whole point of having also, like Brian said, uh, you know, multiple projects. Mm -hmm. You can aim for the big thing yeah. in the long term, making those tiny steps and tiny successes on the way. Right. Be publishing like small papers or. 
actually the the, the, the thing is the from the from the backside you should first publish the big thing mm. like you know show that this is your ground yeah. and then publish the small satellites like this is the very specialized aspect that we didn't touch there but we want to expand on here mm. tuck 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 things around and you know like in our case the the big paper uh, about those nanoparticles uh, versus cancer uh, it took us three something years of the research itself of experiments mm. you know couple sets of hands plus a year of a revision process extra experiments extra wow. theories to test but before you're putting something out you want to be damn sure that it's uh, you have to be sure yeah absolutely. especially that it's like <laughs> it's it's nature nanotechnology they require a very detailed uh, statistics section mm. every single uh, result from from experiments should be as a dot on your graph mm. So you can that outlier really that doesn't matter. <laughs> outliers <laughs> happens always if you don't have outliers in such an experiment. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. So you know, this also connects with the ethics and we are lucky enough that um I'm not sure how is it in, in other IBS centers, but in our case, the higher you publish, the better. And everyone knows that it takes time. Mm, sure. So, of course, you should be publishing more and faster. And mm. hmm, But there is only so many things you can do in 70 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. When you when you say 78 hours a week, how's the... Uh, when I was working just a, a basic hogwan, like a meaningless, <laughs> a meaningless job, and it was so boring, I looked outside of my work to, to have fun and to... Um, to, to get enjoyment from life because work was largely unfulfilling. Um, what about when you're working 70, 80 hours a week? Is it is that enough in your life to feel like, yeah, I'm, you know, like, are you excited to go to work or after after 50 hours, you're like, oh, my God, get me, get me out of this place. I, I was working on that schedules for first two, almost three years here. Yeah. Do you feel and like you're 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 progressing and this is good? This is good, or do you look outside? Dude, the... fir first year I was hyped because there were so many new toys. There were so many new course, things. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm still learning new things every day. But then it was like you know you're just diving heads up, heads front uh, in a very 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 deep and coolest crystal clear water. Mm. You're not interested in anything else. You're mm. like an addict. You know, <laughs> you have your your yeah. candies everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then, unfortunately, okay, there there is no no time for fun. Mm. That that's your fun. You're coming back home after those twelve fourteen hours shift, mm. and you're just that that mm. you have to sleep. Yeah. Your brain needs to need to rest. Yeah. Need to process all of these things that you learned this day. Yeah. So much of it. Yeah. And here comes Sunday and. Oh, you should go for some shopping, do some cleaning because oh my god, I don't have clo clean clothes. Yeah. What when? did it happen mm. like it's sunday again sunday yeah. monday sunday monday <laughs> and, and then then unfortunately my my body didn't survive it uh, and and it's it went for a riot so here note for everyone who is listening do your yearly checkups do them it's worth it take uh, a day off yeah take a day off 70 go, hours go, get checked go out to the, go to the hospital just let them take care of you one day they actually might find something. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree though, man. I think in I I don't know how it is back in Poland, but I know in Canada we I don't think we work like uh, they do here in Korea. It just seems it's so 
the work is work is number one leisure is number two and in those leisure hours you try and pack as much fun in in the mm-hmm. in the three hours you have after after work but i hope corona has has some lasting effect on that that you know so many guys have worked from home and there's so much more time and so much more time around your family and your kids that hopefully once it's back to normal it's not the old normal However, I, I actually heard that for some people it became worse because they have really problems with, you know, uh, dividing the working hours from the private life hours mm. yeah. while working That's, from home. It's yeah. like, you know, 7 p.m. Oh, dude, maybe you could just, you know, answer the email. It will be but quick. That's why I go. Is that dude working for WeHo? <laughs> but so that's, I, that's why I go to the university. I, I just can't sit at home and, and do my courses online, like teach online. It's... I go to the university. I feel like I'm here. This is my work. And when I leave, mm. I'm done. Yeah. And then, funny enough, uh, one or two of the other guys I work with also started coming in. And I was like, oh, it's been like four months. How come you're here today? Uh, you know, I think I just – I'm in my house all day and I, I don't – That's the ebb and flow of work, – uh, Work and my regular life just is just one big blur. And now yeah. – I think, you know, it's a pain in the ass to come in here. But, like, I went there, one, because of the divide between work and family life, but also because, you know, I don't have to worry about a connection. I got all, I got a huge monitor. I got a, always a solid connection. There's never any problems. And I just don't trust my technology at home. So that became a, a much more efficient place to work. But I can't imagine just, like, sitting at my kitchen table or in the office or on the sofa. Oh, I'm tired. I'm just going to sit on the sofa here and do the class. There's no distinction between, you know, it all just blurs into one one big blur. So, in a month ago, when I was on, on quarantine after coming back from Europe, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll be I'll be working remotely. We'll be we'll be writing the paper, and I caught myself that one day I was writing whole day long. Like, you know, I woke up, I didn't even brush my teeth, and I already turned on my laptop. Yeah, and I was like, oh, here's the idea. Okay, here, coffee. <laughs> yeah. How come it's 7 p.m.? <laughs> okay, but I need to finish. Yeah. Okay, it's after midnight. I'll Oops. sleep tomorrow. How? Why? <laughs> what? Where, where is this day? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That's a, I, do, I do lots of work from home at the kitchen table or, <laughs> or on, the, on the sofa. And I find if I don't set a certain amount of time, you know, if there's a paper due on Wednesday at 7 p.m., it'll take until Wednesday 7 p.m. <laughs> it, well, I don't know. It's not Murphy's Law, but it's one of those. There, there's a someone's coined the coined the term that you know you're gonna wait until the last minute to to finish your work. So I find when I put time constraints on myself, it's easier to easier to hit my uh, hit my goals. I guess uh, everyone in science has to figure out like what's too much for them, what's too little. And what what's yeah, their their preferred it, uh, actually schedule? There have been like limits, like I I can't physically watch the screen now. Like I need <laughs> <laughs> you need to go for shaking. the walk. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know this is also amazing about the work in science. Like in the normal like corpo, you're sitting there nine to five, doing what what you have to do. And okay, the pro is that you shut the door and you don't care about it anymore. But, which doesn't really exist in science, yeah. at least not. But for me. but even in the corporate world, it doesn't anymore. Like there's there's some big companies in Canada and the states who are now saying like you can't send an email or a text message after six p.m. or something, That's because nice. because a guy's out, he's having a few drinks, and he gets a serious message, and he types something crazy. 
And then he can get fired. He can get fired for that. But who the hell's sending him a message at nine o'clock at night on a Friday? Sure. Is that really his fault? He was out with his buddies having a few drinks or, or whatever. And so now it's I don't know, I don't think it's a trend, but I've read about companies putting limits on you don't have to answer anything after six p.m. or whatever because it's resulting in some of these crazy instances where it's having negative effects on the company. Sure. We all have phones. We're all available 24 hours. That doesn't mean you should be available 24 hours. In uh, in a company setting, maybe okay. But in um, in a science setting, when you guys are working, when you said like you have to dive in for 80 hours a week, is it possible to have, or I guess it's a personal thing, but is it possible to to reach these goals or, or publish these papers without the the very, I mean, could you work eight hours a day and, and still pump out results like? Not really. No, yeah. It See, I, I think like, is it possible to like be perfect life and be the greatest artist ever? It's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I gotta be more <laughs> depressed. <laughs> Besides, you know, the, those reproducibility tests, yeah. the repetitions, the, the ideas, testing the ideas, mm. it all takes time. Yeah. And it's rarely that your experiment, your single experiment, will last for an hour. Mm. I have some experiments that last 18 hours. Mm. So you gotta be there to, to check the. Yeah. Sometimes. But also, like, we are thinking of this, like, uh, how to turn this off. But sometimes you don't want to turn it off. Like, sometimes things are working so well. like if, That you just have yeah, to, if you, you know, slide away. You six, just have to yeah. use it. Mm. If you went home that day at 6, next day you will be spending 5 more hours on it. Because you are in the mindset and everything you are doing is working. So Absolutely, you, you yeah. just want to grind it out sometimes. Yeah. And this is, this is beautiful about having this, you know, more or less elastic schedules. Yeah. That I can work at night in the lab, because I'm. <laughs> I was asking you, to, no, not to come here at eight a.m. <laughs> that's completely not my time of the day when my my mind is working. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a night person, yeah. so yeah. And and no one bats an eye when we are in the lab, you know, at three a.m. Yeah, it's working. It's finally working. <laughs> Let's make what, it. What do you think? Like, uh, I don't. I don't know. We can talk about it later. But coming up through that system. Nobody dreams of 60, 70 hour weeks. Most of the thoughts of 60, 70 hour weeks are, you know, slave labor or you're getting tortured or it's not something someone would ever think that they would do or dream of doing. Um, and I know in the company, in the corporate world in Korea, it's a lot of time wasting. But for, for you, like, is that something that once you get to high school and you kind of commit to that field that you think, okay, I know what it's like, that's what I'm going to do. Or you came here and you go, holy shit, well, this is what it. This is what the job description requires. That's what I'll do, I guess. I'll get used to it. Or, You know, when I was coming here and, and boss told me like, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, how much we can, no more than, no, I mean, sorry, not less than 60. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that would mean that I'm just working five days a week, 12 hours, and I'm done. Yeah, mm-hmm. weekends off, we'll, we'll deal with it. <laughs> That's then four you're hours coming on Sunday. Here, <laughs> then you're coming here and it's like, but... <clears throat> you didn't say 60 hours between Monday and Thursday. <laughs> what time are you coming to work on Saturday? But Seema's having a barbecue. I'll be writing from Sticky Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, well, so that's why, you know, for the first uh, almost three years, my schedule was like packed. Okay, Sundays are Sundays. I need some time to get some sleep. But so is it hours. now that you figured out, you know, work hard on this day? Okay, I need 
now you figured out how to do it or now let's say i can uh, accommodate my time more um, efficiently. efficiently and reasonably mm. i completely uh, uh, dropped the you know so called ass hours just to be there because yeah. to be there mm. no way if, ass if hour, i'm yeah. i like that <laughs> <laughs> if i'm done i'm leaving right. it's not like i'm done after six hours but it, but even if you happen. are tomorrow you're doing 14 yeah, or or eighteen because you have a big experiment or yes. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder if it chases a lot of people away. I used to work with a lot of the undergrads, and they would be some of them would be sophomores or juniors, and they'd be they'd come into class and be sleeping. I'm like, well, don't don't even if you're that tired, just stay home and get rest. You're not gonna you know your attendance is not worth coming here and sleeping. I'm not gonna give you you know marks for coming here and sleeping. Just go home and get a rest so you can be better tomorrow. But they would tell me that they'd leave their laboratory at 11, 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And, and especially on... And your class is 7.30 in the morning. Yeah. And especially on the weekends when I would see, like, Eric and Colin and those guys. I know they weren't undergrads, but I would see them downtown partying. Until and I was like, but I, I have classes with a couple of your friends. And, like, they say they can't go out because they're there 364 days a year. Like, hey, we're not Korean. We don't, we're not sitting around, you know, time wasting time doing the ass hours. Yeah. We, we're we not coming all the way to Korea to do 18-hour days. And, and no Korean professor is going to tell us, you know, you got to stay here. Why? Because it's not midnight yet. No, no, no. It's Friday night and we're going to hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it must chase a lot of kids away. I mean, lots and lots of students that I talk to, you know, you get one year into someone's laboratory, it's pretty hard to change. It's pretty hard to go back. And they said, you know, if I leave your laboratory, he's not going to take me in his laboratory. And, and you can kind of control if or where I can go to Keist or Post-Tech or somewhere else in Unist. Because if you've put the time in or I've put time investing in you, I don't want you going somewhere else. Does does this kind of stuff scare a lot of the young kids off? I mean... They are not aware of that. If I was a freshman or sophomore and you told me or I listened to this podcast, I'd say, okay, I don't want to be a chemist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or do you know at that age that, you know, I, I want to solve, I want to make a cure for cancer and I'll do whatever it takes? You know, usually I think it, it comes like, yeah, sure, I will manage. Of course I will manage. And Always. then you're in the process and it's like, it's hard, but, but I will out. manage. Yeah. And here comes like, okay, I need some, some small success. I need some more motivation or I will just drop this, mm. pack my bag and go home. Mm. And here comes the role of your boss, actually. If he can catch this moment when you are very down and raise you Mm. somehow, whatever that will be, even taking you for a beer would be okay. Just give you a moment of rest. Then it means he's a good boss, actually. Mm. If he will not see it... Yeah, I could see as a mentor that would be a crucial role in, in making sure you... You know the mental, the mental wellness of all the people in that, your That's life. a coach in sports. That's, a, yeah. that's anything. Man. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of the aspects of this flexible thing is that we have to have hard criteria on, like... So, even I have a flexible schedule, and we have a meek, weekly personal meeting where I just tell him what I did this week and what I will do next week. And mm-hmm. so, there is a mutual agreement to what is expected to be done next week. So mm-hmm. as long as I achieve that goals, I'm free to... But I, I wonder if, yeah. like, once you get to your stage, is the expectations the same because you're at that level? Whereas in the beginning, the foreign students can can kind of play their foreign card and say, hey, 
But there's laboratories in America, but people go home at 7 p.m. They don't go home at midnight. But there's more responsibility, I think, when you get up to... But that's what I mean. Is it the same, or can you say, hey, this is bullshit? You know, it it would be easier for me to comment on that if my boss would be Korean. Right, I thought, yeah. But he's not. He's, well, you know, educationally American. Right. So he knows that whether we are at work at 6 a.m. or we are at work at 3 a.m., still just came <laughs> um he doesn't really care but that was one the thing work I w- should be done that was one thing i wondered how these guys were all educated in america and then came back and turned their laboratory into korean uh companies because they didn't work like that in the labs in america there's no way i've never heard any stories of well, the hours these guys are putting in here well, in... actually, Bartosz, so my, my boss, was working like that on Harvard. But, but I mean, that, but that's, okay, but... I'm... According to his own story. But, <laughs> but that's the top of the top, right? I, I mean, the guys who aren't so famous yet, the, the regular guys, and they're working with, with undergrads. Because they can. Th- but that's what I mean. Yeah. But they were an undergrad in America, and they never went through stuff like that, man. No way. Do, do you mean working the long hours or imposing long hours for their kids? Putting in long hours because lots of them say, like, you know, half the time we're just sitting around doing nothing, playing but, on our phones and wasting time. But that basically means that they're wasting their own time when they can do really nice experiments. They can, I don't know, read a very nice paper, get an inspiration for another project. Right. This is what I'm calling the ass hours, you know? But I always thought there had to be downtime. Like, if the professor would let them go twice a week at 8 o'clock to actually have an evening and they can go out for dinner or something, then tomorrow they're actually going to be doing all that stuff. But just having ass hours every day because it's a set schedule of don't leave before 10.30 p.m. It doesn't make any it's, sense. Yeah. Yeah. From the from my friends who work in under, like, a Korean labs, they it's a very top-down control. Yeah. Means is what I heard. Means the professor will instruct do this, 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 this. Then the seniors will get this. They will instruct their juniors. And even, even, <laughs> even I remember, I remember one guy coming. And I remember a story from Eunice and from one from Keist. Uh, and one Korean guy's laboratory was shutting down early in Eunice, and all the other professors started giving him the gears, like, "Hey, my students are telling me you're letting your kids go at seven thirty or eight o'clock on Fridays. You can't do that. You're going to kill all our labs." All the kids are talking about it. And he, he conformed and went back and kept his lab till 10 o'clock or whatever. Poor kids. And the other one was one Poor from kids. was one from Keist, awesome professor, had a great laboratory. And the Eunice kids started talking. And they phone phone him at Keist and say, come on. Yeah, we got our whole our whole university asking to be off at, you know, 7 o'clock Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's crazy. Come on, conform to the culture, man. We don't do that. You know, from the other hand, conforming to the culture uh, includes taking a nap after lunch. Right. (laughs) Seriously, guys, when I just came here and I saw, you know, students, it's 1 p.m. and they're all sleeping on their their computers for an hour at least. But I'm like, like, come on, let me finish and go home an hour earlier. I don't want the nap time now. I want to go home. Why are we here still? Mm. What the hell are you doing? Let's power through this. I hate this when like any problem you present to them and they start their sentence well in Korean culture. (laughs) You have to spend at least one hour a day on coupon and and one hour a day on on neighbor. Transfer and cacao chat. (laughs) Another hour of a nap, five coffees. Yeah. Okay, let's change it up a little bit. You mentioned cancer. 
I've always wondered, and, and when the corona stuff came up, and they're like, how do they find a corona cure in, <laughs> in six months or eight months? Um, and there's there's all kinds of theories out there, whatever. But how, now that you explain your situation, how haven't they found the cure for cancer? There's many people that think that there are alternative cures that won't be brought to market because it would kill so much of the research industry that's funded to do this cancer research. What's your take on that kind of stuff? Is that... Do you just say 100% bollocks or? No, it's not. It's not bollocks, unfortunately. Um, the biggest problem I can see in this research slash uh, industry, pharma industry, uh, is that the in a capitalistic system, your main goal is not to cure people, is to make right. money. Yeah, treat. So the shortest possible um, clinical trials for the biggest possible profit outcome. And... Um, this sounds like Pfizer. <laughs> right? That's why this they sounds have like so corona. much money. But this is it. This is, this is economy. This is not science. This is pure economy. But so when you say one saying like, I, there's a Canadian researcher who found the cure for three or four cancers 20 or 30 years ago, but they get stifled once they get up to whatever level it is where they have to get approved because... You know, you're going to put a lot of people out of work and we're not going to be making money. What, like, is this, is it, I, I mean, obviously it's possible. Um, the, the, I just think of the marijuana industry and, and medical marijuana and now how popular it is in Canada now that it's all legalized and everything. And my dad takes it and my brother takes it. And for different reasons, my brother works the night shift, day shift, night shift as a firefighter. He can't get to sleep. He takes one kind of product and boom it knocks him out gets his good sleep awesome. on those four days of the eight days michael jackson blood <laughs> my dad my dad's got a he needs a knee replacement and and he couldn't walk the golf course anymore and he had to take a, a cart but if he took you know two drops or three drops in the morning he could walk the golf course awesome. and it was like magic and, and it's like this was always known but never brought to market or, or it was a long time ago and now like they say the korean farmers used to farm marijuana and then somebody stomped it out and now they're hesitant to bring it back but in fact it was normal yeah, 60 it was, years it ago it was called a drug yeah an, an addictive drug that's the that's the problem and it's funny too it's kind of hypocritical that the they have so much plant medicine here they got a whole the whole what is it, traditional chinese medicine or, yeah. or mm -hmm. korean medicine i guess that's that's all plant and, and animal horns and whatever they <laughs> whatever magical blend they have there but because it's weed. called a narcotic yeah weed so so what do you think about that and, and the the finding of a cancer cure do you think there's cures out there you know cancer is um it's a group mm. of many many different things in principle every single one of us not only at this table but in general within an hour will have some cancer cells in them mm. because it's just a a tiny mutation mm sometimes bigger than tiny and your immune system will catch it or will not catch it mm. if it will not catch it it's growing and then it's forming a tumor mm. and the story progresses unfortunately and since there are so many options for those mutations in so many different mechanisms in so many different types of cells mm. it's very hard to find you know one to cure them all mm. it's I would say it's basically impossible you know, because blood cancers will be different than the cancers of soft tissues, of heart tissues, mm. et cetera, et cetera. 
not mentioning brain tumors, of course. Um, can we find a cure? Well, we can find a treatment, that's for sure, but we will never eradicate cancer. We can make the life easier, yeah. but it will be always with us. It it has been always it's with not us. It's something you get. It's just a systemic issue. Like yeah, it's, it's, how we, it's, how it's always been with us, but but hasn't hasn't the diet and the environment that we've lived in that's evolved hasn't that contributed to? Of course. To to more. Okay. Of course, of course, so yes, and you know, like o- ozone layer depletion affects that. Sure. Um, the temperatures affect that. Affects that. If you look from a purely physical level on what's happening in the cell, it's a very, very precise machinery. Mm. So you change one tiny thing, you change the temperature, or you shoot your cells with the UV, so you know too mm. much exposure to, to full summer Korean sun, mm. uh, too many cigarettes, <laughs> wrongly distilled alcohols. Uh, the right amount is okay? I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about that. Uh, there are so many things that can go wrong. Right. Absolutely. And the the the, the least care you're taking of yourself, mm. the the more chances that something somewhere will go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So do you think people are fairly lucky then if they get through life without cancer? Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Because I know now it's not like even 10, 15 years ago, we say it's not if, it's when. Or it's not if you get cancer, it's which cancer you'll which get. Which cancer, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, my mom had... A part of her ear cut off there last year, two years ago, and she had some skin cancer, and they just cut it off, and that's it, nothing. Yeah, but you know, I, I also uh, took the the, the longest of the short straws, let's say. Uh-huh. I had thyroid cancer mm-hmm. here in Korea. That that was also one. You're of the, the second guest. Yeah, second guest with thyroid cancer. We had the ashes. Yeah. That's the seat, man. Chair. <laughs> 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 that's why you that's put the... me here, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But that, uh, or how Ashley explained it to us, that's just, uh, you can just remove. Yeah. That's easy to, easy that, to remove. That, that's what I'm saying. About, that's why I'm saying that it is, it's the, the longest of the short straws. Yeah. Because the, yeah, like, it's a joke among onco patients. Like, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> Dear yeah. patient, you have cancer. So what's the, the other news? It's just a thyroid cancer. Yeah, it's yeah. the best you can have. Good, that's the one I got. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, be yeah. Happy. Well, you know, my car insurance. Well, it is. You get you get the health specimens like him, and then you know they say I got some other one. They gave me th- three months or six months. Mm-hmm. I played hockey with a guy, Timmy Lorenz, and I forget what kind melanoma, maybe I forget what kind he had, but that was it. I mean, it started and it went, and holy shit! How did it happen so fast, man? Really but, healthy guy, but I think I said on the last one we got a or with Jeffy's podcast there. Like, don't I don't know? I think we value our our lives too much. I think we're so important. You got to be ready to go, man. Any I think at any time. Yeah, last use every time. day as it's your last. Basically, absolutely. Why? What are you guys doing here? Enjoy <laughs> <laughs> time with our friends. <laughs> you know? um, got one day. I'm coming to this old apartment. <laughs> what is what is kind of the career tracker? What is the the track for, from, let's say, high school to getting here. You said you had some uh, internships or mentorships in France. Um, how do you, what is what is the procedure to getting to this level and where does it go from here? Do you leave when your professor leaves or do you stay as long as you want? And, and where, what are, what's kind of like the pinnacle of your career? Take us to curing cancer. 
<laughs> but I mean, if you do that, then what's next? You just retire and say, ah, that was me. I'm done. Or I mean, so uh, how, t- just take me along the timeline here of how you get here and where it goes. And um, Okay, you're going through uni. You're doing your, your bachelor, your master's in a specialized field. Yeah, you're specializing more and more and more. And um, if you feel good in the laboratory, if you feel that you're doing this science thingy and and it's cool and you like it, you're staying for the PhD. Mm. Then the the real fight happens, right? Um, because the, I would say that's one of the most miserable times of your life. You have to, yeah, you have to really work hard. You're already expected to be smart enough to fix your own problems, but honestly, you have no bloody idea what you're doing in most of cases. You because you're idea. supposed to be doing something new. Yes. You can't be just reproducing what someone else already did, otherwise... Exactly. And you are supposed to know already some things, but you're still a trainee. Basically, like, we are laughing that the the biggest disposable in the lab are postdocs. (laughs) (laughs) The second one are actually grad students. Sorry. How long was your PhD? Um, Almost five years. (sighs) Almost five years. Um, That's a hell of a tunnel to stare down, man. At the yeah, at the and right, right after. <laughs> hold, hold on, just a side note. We're talking about doing PhDs now and stuff, but I said, come on. But hold on, Danny Kessler made a strong argument. Yeah. For doing it. You are not making it look uh, so good. A, a two-year or whatever, and I'm like, come on, this stuff's Mickey Mouse. Like it's changing, man. This isn't real. This isn't research. This isn't real. And I know there's different kinds of PhDs, but. When I think of one, that's what I think of, and I think, I don't know if I'm built for doing five years of that. But when we start talking about 18 months, two years, I'm like, <laughs> right? See, do you see your face? Take yeah. a picture. Yeah. Remember that next time we're talking about it. <laughs> two years, come on. <laughs> two years. Yeah. Yeah. But the, isn't, that, um, isn't that discovery learning? Like, looking back on when you first started and you went in there without knowing anything, isn't that discovery learning kind of method where you know a little bit and you're figuring stuff out for yourself of course in the end isn't that a better way to learn than having someone it's an exceptional way actually to be completely honest when I'm uh, meeting on my scientific way uh, people who are saying that oh I did my PhD in three years I would be cautious because that basically means that this person had two years less of hands-on experience. Right. Mm. Oh, and if it goes exactly as planned, then probably you didn't learn much in that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it, maybe it was just too easy. A lot of, a lot of or, give or, you a more chance. And, and this is something that's paid. It's like your job, right? You're not, of course. You shouldn't see it as a study. It's, it's your job and you're doing on-the-job on training. So... I guess it shouldn't matter if it's five years or seven years or four years. If you're getting paid for it, I mean, that's kind of your your job and you got to learn X amount before you get the promotion. Definitely, definitely. But, you know, from the other hand, the project has to stop at some moment. Right. I don't mean you can drag it along, but <laughs> you, you can't do, you do an extra two years here just for fun. You know, there, there are projects that are just uncomplishable. You're just getting there and getting there, and it's like a Fata Morgana. But if you don't get the result and you can't publish something, it can't finish, right? Basically, yes. So what's a Fata Morgana? <laughs> um, a fan. It's like a, the the phantom you are seeing on the desert. Uh, the like, you know the, the, the oasis. Which oh, is not oasis! There. There. I gotcha, I gotcha. Okay, okay. Oh, the fa- ah, I got gotcha. you. Mirage, yeah. I got you. I got you. So you get you finally get through that. I got through that and immediately I came here. 
It, but is that what you're looking for coming out of there that, oh, I'm going to finish in six months. I'm just going to go to the first place, any place. No, I'm no, going to no, wait no. for the best he, place. Here here comes the, you know, the, 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 the tricky part, the, mm-hmm. the professor part, because yeah. we were already talking uh, with him for a year, give or take, before I got here. Mm. That he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be opening the group in Korea. Like, here are the options. I need people. He found so. you or you found him? Uh, he His uh, Polish group is uh, uh, in the same institute, the same ground in, in Warsaw. So we, we kind of knew each other, and, okay. you know, having common uh, common acquaintances. So at some point, we're like, you know what? Yeah, we, we're looking for, for postdocs. So nice. when I come... Yeah. Come. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was like, yeah, okay. Let me just finish the, my PhD, and I'm packing my bag. And where is it again? Korea, but south or north? <laughs> <laughs> this is the you know the usual joke in Never Poland, at least. <laughs> Never gets old. Well, it was old when it was born. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and I was hearing like I I told to my supervisor, my PhD supervisor, like oh you know what I I got this position and so so let's let's pack let's buckle up my my PhD let's let's do this mm. and I'm mm. I'm out of here. where are you going to Korea oh girl it will be so hard for you does he know when you say Korea does he know who you're coming to work for uh not yet no not yet first uh, it, and it, it was a she my my supervisor oh, okay, was a she um i'm like no you, you know in korea the very patriarchal uh society <laughs> you're a woman and uh, good luck <laughs> you're disposable anyways exactly. <laughs> so what was, that was it you oh well i can do that i can do that exactly got the growth mindset i like it um so hold on, hold on. When so you get now you're here and you're doing this. What when when someone in your situation looks ten years ahead or fifteen years ahead? What what do you envision? What do you think? Curing cancer or not? You said lots of people go and come. It's kind of a transient laboratory. Yeah. Are you here for a set amount of time, and you do as much as you can in that amount of time, or you know, in principle, I came here for like a, a year or two. The Me contract too. the <laughs> contract was two years with uh, possible extension. Um, in two weeks, it will be six years. Mm. I'm here, <laughs> long two years. Couple extensions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I basically got the extension because uh, within two years, I didn't fulfill my plan. Mm. I wanted to publish. I wanted to publish well, so or, or in in numbers of of small papers or publish big. And in two years, I didn't manage to do that. So is that a mutual agreement, or is that you begging to stay, or is it him saying, "No, you're doing awesome work. Stay and make sure you get it done." Well, it was, let's say, from both sides. Yeah, like, you know, my contract is ending, but still there is there are things to do. Do you think we should f- finish them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course we should. So next extension was, was three years, so in total five. And we managed to close a couple of big uh, big topics, like we, we published this cancer uh, research in Nature Nanotechnology. We managed to publish a um, nature paper with a cover, which is nice. an amazing accomplishment. And yes, I'm bragging here. Yeah, uh, right we managed right. to, to, to publish a couple uh, other small papers. So, and now this train is actually rolling, you know, now, now it's going full steam. So, after so it would be foolish to let you go. 
Um, You've been here. You know the lab. You're doing good work. Basically, be... sort of. That's why he uh, he proposed um, when it was like four, four. No, it's not a tenure yet. Uh, but ten when year, it, I think. <laughs> yeah, ten, ten year. Yeah. Close. Uh, when it was like four and a half my years here, uh, the IBS thankfully changed the um, the rules of employment, ah. so I was eligible to apply for this senior research fellow position, mm. which is... You know, Before you were limited to five years? Yeah. Oof. Um, so now in principle, you know, officially I could be the head of a subgroup or something like this. It's not tenure. This contract is strictly mm. combined with the lifetime of our center. Mm. Um, but now I'm, let's say, less disposable a bit. Mm. Uh, as a as a long term member of the group, I can I can take care of bigger bigger picture things. Let's say, however cool. that sounds. If you could move on and go somewhere else, where would you be? What what would pique your interest in terms of a country or a laboratory or research or would, would it still be with cancer or would you choose a different? You know, I would I would love to go back to Europe first of all. You um, talk about Europe like it's one country. It is. <laughs> almost. No, almost. In, in lots of ways, it Come is, on, but in so many ways, it's not. <laughs> oh, definitely. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be very picky. Right. Okay, maybe not Germany and not France. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean when you say you're like, oh, it's pretty open, You know, there open, are some, right? some regions where I would prefer and there are regions which right. I would not prefer. Um <laughs> As I told you already, Korea spoiled me rotten in terms of science. Mm. So coming back to Europe to do science, writing grants, applying for them. More busy work and kind of bullshit. It's more, more, it's like more politics to deal with. And already the problem is I'm a bit too old to be considered a so-called young scientist. So already I would compete with old and established scientists, professors, you know, with years of experience to get big grants, which kind of decreases my chances. There are options. There are, of course, other options than staying in academia. Mm. You can go to to, to the industry. Yeah, yeah as, as every, every scientist can. Uh, you can uh, try and open a startup, for example. Whether so what, what would you do? <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm, I'm looking at options. So you know. <laughs> no. Why not? So, but what would you? Anti-cancer soap. If it, it, yeah. I mean, if for what yeah, if so North Korea if North Korea attacked next year, and you were you were leaving, and you weren't going to follow your professor, it would definitely be Europe. Yes, I think so. And in terms ninety percent of, of and in terms of startup, being in the industry, whatever. You don't know. I'm not sure yet. I'm what? not sure yet. There, are, there are a couple of different, you know, scenarios. There is also an option to go to, you know, financing sector, you know, startups, but from the from the other perspective, yeah, they also need sometimes people to um, establish whether this startup has a chance to to survive, whether it's right. scientific, <clears throat> just a beautiful scientific prose, or 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 it actually has a chance to work mm. so lots of options what uh, what advice would you offer a young budding scientist looking uh, you know maybe in their at high school or undergrad what, what? <laughs> did you ask that no what advice would you give to, to a young to, did I miss something no, no. oh okay well, I, 
he already knows what's the answer. <laughs> there are two possible answers, actually. Okay. You know? One can be, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Save yourself. Run. Uh, but the other would be, like, find something that really fascinates you. Yeah. Because you will need all this fascination. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's why I was kind of laughing. Like, nobody in their right mind listening to someone say 70, 80 hour weeks would say, I want to do that. <laughs> but but if you are that passionate about something, I think it just comes to you. Yes. I think you would just do it because you're guided that way. I don't think, I mean, you would know ahead of time that this is what it entails and could be years of not having substantial results, but you're getting towards that, that main goal. It's, it's a one step at it's a time. It's hard to teach all that stuff. The perseverance, The it's hard to teach all of that. So I think you kind of have to find your way into that. Means you can't force yourself into doing it because even if you force it, you're competing with people who actually want to do right. that amount mm-hmm. of yeah. yeah. So I, I think we the, find that in Canada with sports. Your your parents are sending you to all the academies to get better. But but this guy lives it and breathes it. He plays yeah. on the pond, he plays on the lake, and the and yeah, I just that, play because my dad drives me every time and says, Hey, go practice, go practice. Yeah. And when you're good, but this guy is good and he's got the passion, yeah, you can't it. compete. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, make a reference to your old student who was going to come on here at some point. The kid, when Nate taught him, he was in grade four, grade five, the army guy. Yeah. That's all he talked about was tanks and shooting and, <laughs> and this kind of gun, that kind of gun. And now he said, Nate, a picture is he's hunting pirates in the in the Caribbean or something. Wow. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not a movie. He shot Johnny Depp in the lake. <laughs> no, he's in off the, the Horn of Africa there in Somalia. and But he looks like a wow. full-on commando. He's a Navy SEAL, and he's still only like 23 years old, but he looks like a, a hardened American, you know, Afghanistan veteran. With that, wow. I, what, I'm, what I want to... Uh, point out is like that transition from from passion or, or something that you love right into a into a career there's almost no hiccup where if we're but, coming from teaching uh, we're going like we're students um well, you got some part-time jobs then it, it's a completely different atmosphere or environment where you guys are the scientists you're just it's like an extended school but i wonder yes. but almost i wonder yes. though it, there must be a lot of kids who get broken at some point too that i am passionate about it i want to do it but i didn't know it was this hard and I'm not willing to put in that. There must be a breaking point for a lot of... That's that's why it's so important to have a good supervisor. Yeah. But but I think, yeah, like... Coming through, <laughs> but, you know, you're passionate about science, but you get to high school and you realize you're, you're fifth or sixth or everyone's doing these science Olympiads and everything. Like at UNIST, you come to UNIST and everybody's got something on the resume and it's all better than yours. And you're like, shit, I used to be the second best in my country in Kazakhstan. Now I'm like... <laughs> the worst in my university you got to really be passionate to get through that yeah but also you know in in our environment it's also what's what's um, keeping us up is that we are surrounded by people who actually know what we are feeling so the the support of the group okay from one hand side the, some of them want to crush you because you are their competition from the other hand <laughs> they know totally perfectly well in how bad shape you are right now yeah. not believing that you can do it not understanding why the thing does not work, right. not being able to connect those two dots because you are missing the one central point. Mm. But from the other hand, the satisfaction when you will just hop this bump, you're on the other side already. Yeah. You you managed, you understood, it worked, you know where you made a mistake because unfortunately, usually it's your mistake. Very tiny thing mm. that you omitted, you thought it's not important. Uh, 
that collective suffering is is nice. <laughs> you get <laughs> someone uh, someone also, to, to help you through. Yeah. It also push, pushes you up by seeing people like when I was new here, I used to look at their talks and they were like. They they are at god level at some skills, <laughs> and I knew that like if I want help, like I can go to these of course, people to sure. talk about that specific thing, and then like it motivates me to be good at one thing, and then right. yeah. Also, yeah. when you're going to your gods for help, it's like <laughs> I don't really want to sound stupid, so I will prepare better to ask yeah. this question. You know, to to be sure that I even understand what I want to ask about. Yeah. You know, not to be like, oh, wh- why are you wasting my time? You have no idea what you're talking about, right? Answer you're going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny when you say that, like, you got to think about really what you want to ask or say. I found that in the early episodes here, I have so many deadly ideas and things <laughs> I want to say in my head. But then they come out here like, that's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> that yeah. too. That's, a, that's a, an interesting uh it's happening again. No. Okay, maybe a couple of specific ones. Have you changed any of your habits as a result of anything you've learned from your work? My habits. Um, as a cancer work? Yeah. Smoke less. Research. No, but, but no, even, I'm even smoking being, the same amount, unfortunately. <laughs> even being, learning to be diligent and all, have you changed any other habit? Like, if you want to do, you know, if you want to be bodybuilder, you, you might learn from your science that you've got to be really diligent and you got to do it every day and, and, Spend long hours, but is there anything you've changed? Any habits you've changed from your work? Well, I switched from normal cigarettes to Icos. <laughs> yeah. But I used to sleep eight hours, and now I sleep three a night sleeping. No, no after no. three hours, you wouldn't be able to wake me up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that stays. Actually, let's say connecting uh, connecting work experience and life experience. This mm-hmm. this cancer of mine. It actually taught me that my body is not indestructible. And since those things happen all the time, uh, I have to take care of myself. Mm. So, boss, please stop listening right now. <laughs> I'm not working 70 hours a week right now. Yeah. If I have to, if I have deadlines, if right. I have, you know, think that, okay, I need to sit 20 hours on my ass in the lab right mm. now, I will do it, definitely. Yeah. But no more ass hours. Yeah, like yeah. nada, nothing. Yeah. But you have to be efficient with your time. And that, that, yeah, that, but this that's is the also the thing, thing because, that you're Because learning. when you're efficient, then the rest, of the rest of the time you can use to recharge your own battery, which makes you good to do that work again the next day. Again, yes. And once you don't, that's burnout, right? The battery gets emptied, the tank is emptied, and then something bad happens. Especially like in, in our line of job when you, you have to be creative. You just have to be creative. Okay, there are some times when you are just repeating and repeating and mm-hmm. reproducing and there is nothing nice in this world because you have to just do it again and again and again and again Mm. and and check it but at some point there is a wall and you have to figure a way to you know destroy it go over it around it whatever you need to find a way to to proceed this makes me think of the american border situation <laughs> or oh, Polish, well, actually. Trump, Trump thought putting up the wall is going to stop everything. Okay. Yeah, we have barbed wire right now. Yeah. Well, you got ladders. You can dig a hole. There, there's a lot of ways around the wall, but yeah. but you have to be creative. Yeah, and it not hurt yourself because like you are the only person who is facing that particular problem. And but you can't. But when you when you add that extra element of stress in, like I'm the only one who can solve it. I think that's even yeah. putting up a bigger a bigger barrier. But when you're trying to overcome these walls, if there's a, a problem or something and I'm thinking about how to how to solve it, I find if I 
just give it time, give it space to, to breathe. Um, it, it'll just randomly pop up, but it's something that's always in the back of my head. I couldn't, I can't just, if there's a problem that I got to solve, I can't just totally forget about it and hope it yes. comes back. You always have to keep it kind of in your head. So. That, that's why in, in, in my life, at least, it's not like I'm leaving the lab and I'm shutting the door and my mind is, you know, already on the, in the leisure time. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't exist. I, and the, it, these things are in your head like 24 7. Last weekend. <laughs> um, my my leisure need, time. I think that was le- official leisure time. You need sometimes to to vent, you know. Yeah, yeah sure. Everybody this is does. this is actually how I met uh, Jeff and Mark. You're venting. Venting, yeah, <laughs> decompression. Yeah. The uh, next one I had here. What, what's the biggest challenge in your field? Which one? If you want to <laughs> talk about cancer research or chemistry in general, nanochemistry. Mice hmm. or, 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 or <laughs> burying the mice, <laughs> mass mice graves, or, or as a scientist, as a scientist. <laughs> biggest challenge. I would say that for, for nanotechnology right now, the biggest challenge would be to skip from the lab to, to the real life, to show people that those long, long years of funding are not wasted for just, you know, hand waving. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's a perfect time uh, because COVID showed the vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are based on actually nanoparticles, not metallic nanoparticles like mine, but they're lipids. But this is a first-hand proof that nanotechnology can be used in real life and can have a real impact on our lives. So I think that we should we should proceed in that direction with with whole nanotechnology to make it real not only you know a, a funny thing we are doing in the lab. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. I I I have one like I was thinking about this recently like we are seeing this like across everything like in science there are so many scientists and so many papers and so many journals that there are two strategies you can have. Either you do something which is like really genuine and really unique. And so your signal in this all noise is very high. Or second strategy, which is unfortunately being popular now, is you just make a ridiculous statement and shout it as loud as possible. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's the Donald Trump method? Kind of. <laughs> so you see a lot of papers these days who just make ridiculous claims and then... Then the flavor is like, how much do people fight it? If people don't fight it, they get through. If they if well, they fight it, at least you have, yeah. you know, if your they citations. Fight it, then people know that yeah. <laughs> the yeah. outcome is always yes. positive. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. But wow. but you know, this is the problem that comes from uh, huh. mm, that you have to publish. Uh, the the quantity, not quality. Yeah, yeah. This the, the pressure the, is from the admin side. Like, hey, this is the, the years, what problem with funding system in yeah. general. So you publish the craziest thing; it gets cited thousands of times of people rebuking what you said. Yeah. Looks like a good paper. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I could be a well, scientist. I mean, <laughs> but I think, oh shit, I got to start working on my first paper. But that's just everywhere. I don't think it, it matters. <laughs> it's, it's everywhere, right? Politics, even yeah. boxing, whatever. Yeah. But how you, any system you develop, there's probably going to be a way to game it, right? Yeah. There's going to be a way to, to or there's going to be people who take advantage, whether it's uh, like the, the online 
classes I do, you can see there, there's you find some efficient ways to, to get things done. You know, no, but as genuine scientists, we have to find that first. And then yeah yeah because we have to dig through those tons of shit. I'm sorry (laughs) to find a really reasonable uh, reasonable paper talking about the topic. And here comes the problem: if you already know enough in that particular field to distinguish the bullshit from the truth, you're on the safe side. You're just coming like no 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 oh this one okay and and let's continue from there. But if you are green, (laughs) you read everyone. You read everything. You're wasting a lot of time, (laughs) and you're coming up with completely wrong uh, conclusions. Mm. Ah. So talking about believing and not believing, then I mean, as as someone in science, here comes. But you know, (laughs) we the the one that boggles my mind is you know they had the the doctors on the stairs of the parliament building or whatever in the states. And, and all these other ones, and all these guys that are opposite sides of the spectrum saying, I am an expert in my field, and I don't believe this because of this, this, and I am an expert in my field, and I do believe this. They both can't be right, and they both can't be wrong. What happens in that, like, are they just kind of like X'd out of the community, or, or like, what happens to these people that have taken such... Like, Corona has completely divided a lot of doctors and a lot of scientists and a lot of people. What happens to the ones that choose the other side or the unpopular side? Well, you know, we are happy and lucky enough that they are not being burned on the stake. Mm. No, and it has existed in science all the time, but it has been communicated in conferences and papers. This is like the first time... Public. It's Public taking out on TV. The process. Yeah. <laughs> well, not Jimmy the first time. Like a spectacle, but uh, Johnny from Middle America has a. Come has on. A, <laughs> Ma- many, many, many years ago, when some wise man said that the Earth is spinning around the Sun, not the other way around. The church said, "Kill him." <laughs> exactly. So yeah. you know, uh, in science, there are always people who are uh, seen as controversial. Yeah, like Einstein's theories of relativity at first were deemed like cuckoo. Mm. Like the dude went bananas. What the hell are you talking about <laughs> even? And now without him, we wouldn't have GPSs. So, hmm. uh, I think your first example is the, the best man. Mm. He's, he's, he's hundreds of years ahead of his time. And then they go, Bro, oh, you're... A couple of them standing yeah. against the, the common understanding or a common belief mm. of how things work. Same thing went with Darwin. And okay, I, I understand that we might um, still put Darwin against the creationism, but some similarities that were described by Darwin, let's say, are unbeatable. They are there. Mm-hmm. So, sure, from one hand side, uh, it's a question of belief. Mm. From the other hand, it's a question of interpretation. Because, you know, in science, I would say you you see an image, you analyze this image with some already hypothesis in mind. There is something that you would like or wouldn't like to see. So already you have some tiny bias in interpretation of your data. Then you're getting the numbers. Uh, you need to collect enough numbers to get some statistics. The statistics will be statistically relevant mm. show you that it's it's relevant or not but also depending on which which levels which type of you know calculation you will choose 
uh, there are many things that someone will tell you like, okay, I'm not convinced by that. It's just a tiny bit difference. Mm -hmm. There are some things that you cannot really compare with each other, but still people do that. You spoke lots about the the rigor and the the intensity maybe of staying in the lab for 60, 70, 80 hours. How do you unwind? How do you relax? If, if you're there, you're putting, like even now, you're not doing the huge amount of hours, but if you put in 14 or 16 hours or something, and I don't just mean to go home and sleeping, but if you got time for yourself, what, what do you do? How do you unwind? I'm talking a lot with my friends and family in Poland. Uh, so I need to, to vent just to, you know, get rid of all those weird emotions that, that accumulated. Is that scientific chatter or politics or what's going on at More home? More like, of course, what's going on home, but, you know, when my mom asks, so, so how are you? Here comes all those... <laughs> Download Avalanche. Stories the lab mates. Avalanche. Yeah, basically, yes. <laughs> you know, and three gigs of anger to download on your mom. <laughs> so, some, sometimes I, I have to also to explain them some of the science I'm doing because I have a particularly hard problem like with which I cannot mentally go on. You know, it's so frustrating. So so then they want to, but okay, but w what are you doing It's so that you're so angry at? Mm. You'll never understand. <laughs> no, no, I stopped saying that a long time ago. And actually, that's a that's a, um, I would say a, a descriptor of your understanding of what you're doing. If you're able to explain it to your own grandmother, you know what you're doing. So you just tell them make sure your phone's plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes yes. Sometimes yeah. What time is it there? Oh, we don't have enough time. Sometimes yeah. So yeah, going going to the bar and and meeting with you know normal people, it it, it works. Works for me pretty well. I was extremely sad when Alan closed Sima, because Sima was my person. my first, you know, Hang detox out. intox bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I always knew that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm going there. There will be always someone to talk to. Yeah. The beer will be good, and in case of emergency, they will just take me out or leave me there, like yeah. whatever. <laughs> And Sima closed, and then COVID came, and all those weird things changed. So I mentioned earlier, I, I didn't picture a scientist hanging out with some of my original friends here. <laughs> the, <laughs> that, that was actually me uh, venting one night because I, I had so much weird energy in me, I needed to dance. Those guys you can know, make I, anybody feel good. Those guys can make anybody laugh. They can tell stories till the cows come home. This is basically how I met Jeff. I started to dance in Sima, and he was like, you need a partner. Yes. <laughs> so then until morning, basically, we were dancing. Mm. And that, the next weekend, and, and the next weekend. that's how I cured weekend. cancer. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, we laugh, and we're a little bit more serious, I guess. And we have younger kids. Well, Marky's kids are the same. So we don't, we don't get out like we used to. We used to be some of those guys at the bar, but not in the last of years i just think if you if you could go to any country in the world and you know i think in my first days here just going up and talking to anybody in the bar to try and make friends and learn the, the lay of the land man i can't think of two more fun and welcoming and wild and fun and crazy guys and those guys any country in the world if i went in and met a guy like that i'd feel right at home yes and, and those exactly. guys make you feel comfortable they used, and they used to own the bar too <laughs> that was i know scarier. <laughs> I heard so many stories over yeah. the years. Oh, just just, yeah, as just, long as you don't run into their wives the running the bar, then it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Well, so, you know, unwinding, decompressing, 
yeah, during the season, swimming in the sea does miracles to, to my head, to my body. When I was still in Poland at home, the, the best decompression tool I had was my motorcycle. You you have to turn off all the weird thoughts and just focus on the road. Yeah. You have to. Uh, here, I thought when I was coming to Korea, I just sold my, my bike and I was like, yeah, I'm going to Asia. Shit. <laughs> I'll I'll buy myself such a beautiful machine, and then yeah. I came. I saw how they are driving, and I daily one twenty. Nah. Learn how to ride on the sidewalks. <laughs> I drove I drove biking for five years, and it was just oh, geez. I I would die from from a heart attack at least. It's yeah, I drove insane. through the, I drove through the rotary and saw him laying on his ass. <laughs> Oh, you know, I, I would be afraid in a car, <laughs> not mentioning okay? a bike. Uh, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But it was. Yeah. I'm looking back, like, oh my god, what was I thinking, man? That it's so it's so crazy to to do. Yeah, I see the the, the young delivery kids here. Like, what are you what are you doing? They're what immortals. Are they yeah, they yeah. are immortals. <laughs> yeah, they're, until they're not. They're just 3D printing well, those kids, man. Those are yeah. they're not even real. That's uh, that's insane, but um, anyways, yeah. Have, have you been on a bike here at all or no? No, it's crazy. I'm I'm literally afraid. Yeah, it's wild. Um, you go swimming in the ocean here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, like during the season, don't the, all the lifeguards tell you to to move out of the way? You're swimming too uh, then, fast. Then How can you swim that good? Yeah. I have. Proportional floating devices. They're keeping me afloat. Uh, you ever no. swim in the Eunice pond? No, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> yeah, what's in There's there? been a few kids in there. I'm, yeah, I've never been that in. drunk to, to decide <laughs> yeah. to, to even step in this. Blech. You don't swim. You don't swim at the pool out there. No. Eunice pool? No. Yeah. No. I didn't. Why? Wait, Eunice gym pool? Swimming yeah. pool. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you, is you there another one? No. <laughs> the pond. The pond. No, okay. <laughs> no, no. I mean, okay, no, not no. the pond. We swim the pool because Aiden, who was used to be in my department, he was like six foot seven, maybe big, huge dude. But he would go before before work in the morning. But that's when all the grandmas are there, and mm-hmm. he's this great big huge guy. And I think he used to wear the speedos, and he'd have, <laughs> he'd have grandmas touching him, poking him, asking him, showing him. I don't mean a speedos. I mean like, just, you know, like but why, are, why are your arms so hairy? How come you don't have any hair? Like all kinds of different stuff. Your bathing cap's not on properly, and it was just really awkward. I just if you went swimming there or seeing your students, as as well, when yeah, we were working there. I mean, it, it it's a great place to have one, but it's really it seems like an awkward place to to swim. In general, I'm spending so much time on the campus yeah, that I don't really need to meet people when I try to decompress. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see yeah. you guys. Yeah, I love exactly. you, but in limited amounts. <laughs> no doubt. What uh, What was the dream, and what and what is the dream now? Like, what, what do you? What would be your biggest, your best accomplishment? What do you? What would be the the top for you? You know, I I actually fulfilled my dream already. The the one with with which I was kind of starting my scientific career yeah. it was like published in Nature. I was like, dude, if someone would be able to publish in Nature and like get the cover, it's so dope. It's so rare. It's such you know, a magnificent accomplishment. And that was my thinking while I, I was in um, master course and during my PhD. It's like, 
damn, those people are gods. Should we bow now or later? Don't, please don't. <laughs> no, when, no. You, when you accomplish it, was it the, the feeling you expected or is it like... Absolutely not. Well, yeah. of course, I, we, I, was, I was extremely proud. And, you know, since, since the publishing process itself takes so much time, uh, you're going through the revisions, then you're sending them, you're waiting for the, for the reply, for the verdict, and you're immediately on to the next project because we don't have time, really. Yeah. So when they're saying that, yeah, yeah, okay, we're, we take you. Yeah, cool. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Towards the feeling is like, oh, finally. No, I can and yeah, sure, you're going for an about, extra about dream. winning major sports championship stuff. You're so beat up and battered from going through the grueling process that yeah, I think it's, it, the, it's when, the when you win, you don't even feel that elation because it's hard to even. And you ask athletes like, "What was it like?" I don't even remember. I, it wasn't the best feeling of your life. I don't even. I was so exhausted and tired. It's and, something to reflect yeah, back you know, on. I feather in your cap for later, maybe. I think that when when you have a time to to reflect on it. Like to to realize that, damn, it actually happened. Yeah, we made it. Then it's like, nice. Yeah, it's possible. We can do that. We could do that. We did it. We can do it again. Haha. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens once you come down the other side of that? Do you have to find a way to to re motivate yourself or to reproduce those feelings or, or to make the next goal? I mean, if that's the the top, I mean, what what remains that's an excellent question uh but you know we we're not doing it for a price at least no one normal should do it for a price because mm -hmm. then you will burn out uh immediately um but you start the next project knowing that if everything like goes to shit you can still do something nice you can still yeah. do this you can like, get you it's know like a small superpower <laughs> yeah and no, honestly, I don't think that many Nobel Prize winners knew when, while they're starting or being in the middle of their research, that this is something worth Nobel Prize. Right. So God knows, you're you're sometimes you're going with the flow. Uh, when you have this big thing in mind, like, okay, I really would like to to take those nanoparticles to the animal studies level, like the serious one, mm. not the touching ground. The serious one. Mm. I would like to open a startup maybe based on that. God knows. Um, I think I'm too adult now to have, you know, that, that small, beautiful ideas like, oh, publishing in nature. Mm. Right. It's, it's not for that. I, I think that the priorities also changed. Mm. You know, you can have some fun. And I would say that maybe... Actually, my biggest dream right now is that the science will still give me so much fun mm. that cool. I would not be bored with it. Yeah. yeah. When you say getting the cover, when they, I know when I, when I was there and working with some of the students, they would say, you know, I did all the work and my professor put his name on the paper and, and I was listed as like a, a third or fourth name, even though I did all the work, but the, the mentality is he's the coach, he's the mentor. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't have had the opportunities. He, yes, definitely. so So that's why he goes on the top, even though you made the discovery, you're second or third on the list. So when you say we got the cover, is that attributed to like three or four people or one or two or only you? Or who is that attributed to? And does it make a difference where you fall 
when when you're published like that, if you're at the top or the bottom or the middle or, hey, that's me, that's my name, you can't erase it, I'm there. When publishing a paper, whatever kind of paper, the most important places are the first and the last. First author usually is the one who did the most of the job. Last author is usually the the main boss, the, the head of the group in which the process was, was going on. And the last author is usually also the so-called corresponding author, so the one responsible for communication with the rest of the world. Um, there might be a couple of corresponding authors, depending on how the big bosses will divide those among, among themselves. But also there might be the shared first authorship, mm-hmm. the, the co-first authors. When, you know, it's really a team effort, yeah. uh, you, you are there. And, um, like in Europe, when you are taking the, um, when you're applying for a grant, you're getting more points for being a first author or corresponding author sure. than for being anywhere in between. Uh, but of course, it, it's kind of, thing of a prestige but only like you know social prestige which number you are on the list yeah the it's generally uh but everybody knows first and last first and last are and everybody else things. did the, something the second probably will be the person who did the next big portion of the job but okay. it's not the most important basically whoever is between the third and the end Whatever right. they they contributed definitely they did mm. something important for the study, but it wasn't big enough. So to be proud of the title or the the cover of Nature, are you at the top or the second or the last? No, no, I'm no, no, I'm think, somewhere uh, in there. But like being cover as in cover of the issue of the journal. Mm-hmm. So their their paper is yeah the showcase of the thing. It's the hot right the, yeah. the centerfold. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Talking Nate's uh, Nate's terms here. They yeah. were the center. That's what that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But so on that. I just wonder, to be that, when, when you dream of that, you probably don't even know yet the first and the last author and, and everything in between, but is it just being a part of the team that accomplished that, or is it a personal thing that I was the number two in this project and I'm so proud of being number two or whatever like that? I am proud that I was in on the team. Uh, we have another... Uh, cover in Nature and Technology where I am the number two actually, and it also builds, you know, builds a lot. Probably the next level of this proudness would be yes, I'm number one here, mm-hmm. and then yes, I'm the corresponding author. This was my idea, my team did mm-hmm. it. It's all me mm-hmm. without you know sliding on the back of my boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that <laughs> there are there are degrees, but no. You know, let's be honest, when when you're doing something really big, and for me, these, these two things were huge, and you know that, that you contributed something, and as a team effort, it went extremely well. Right. Must feel good. Yeah. And those tiny satisfactions. That's <laughs> the <laughs> um, thing about the, the attribution in... Um, and how meaningful it is to you. I watched. There's two movies that I want to reference. I don't remember the names of either of them. Actually, one is called Big Eyes, and the other. And it was. Uh, it's based on a true story where the the wife is an artist, but the husband is selling. Like he, he's a good salesman. He basically sells her art as his own, 
and they're making millions of dollars and super successful, but no one knows that it's her that's that's doing it. And I was thinking about her or another movie very similar where the wife is the author, but the husband, well, the the wife writes um, writes books, but the husband's an established author, so um, he's publishing all of her work kind of secretly. So um, in the end. We got paparazzi over here. <laughs> in uh, in the end, in both movies, the the wives get. Um, I, I can't I can't speak with this guy with the camera in my face. <laughs> but in, in the end, both the wives in both in both scenarios don't. Um, they they want to know that it's that it's their work. They want attribution for their, um, or they want to be recognized for their for their works. Um, and it looks like it's the same in in science that you, you know, want. Everyone wants to to be you know at least pat on the back like mm. good job. It, the the thing in uh, sorry in the in the movie with the when the wife was the author, it, at that time or it's in the movie they said at that time it's almost impossible for women to write or to get to get published. So it was her dream to be published. Um, because of her husband. Is there a she, documentary she was, on this? I thought I've seen something on this. And then like 10 years later, they say, you know, all these number one books were all me. And then she becomes well-known and able to publish on her own or something. Is there a documentary or something on that? I thought I've seen something also similar. No, the, I think this might've been a fictional, uh, mm-hmm. a fictional one, but it was just, it was her dream. But there's, there's two ways. Obviously you can look at it. Obviously she should be recognized for her work, but it was her dream just to be published. I just want people to to read my stuff. And then once the husband got the award, she's like, "Oh fuck you! <laughs> Give me tell it, you know, let's uh, it's time to time to see who's who's getting it." Published. What's what's the atmosphere in the lab when that happens? Is there like a team celebration? Is there everybody take two days off or right back to work for the next one? Or you, no, but you're already in. She said they're already halfway through their next. Think about why that. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you if you get that, and that's I mean a major accomplishment, is there something different that happens? Do you do do you go for a team dinner and say rah rah rah, good job guys? Or yeah, we are going for for a drink or bringing a cake to work. You know, it all depends on (laughs) which which team and and (laughs) who who is who is there and what's was the hype in the team. Uh, But yeah, Koreans know how to drink and party when they want to. I, I, I know too. I imagine some of these guys, if you if you get something like this, it might, might be a couple days out for sure. Uh, not necessarily. Not really. Hmm. No, not not even our uh, not students. Not charge. not not so many days off. Probably you know going for a party for a dinner and having yeah. good fun for for the night. Yeah, but if it's not Friday or Saturday, you have to wake up tomorrow yeah. and you so know life, go back I think to job. The lifestyle of the scientist, man. It's just. You know, slow progression every day. It's not uh, no no big celebrations, like you said. Not not Even too many ups, not too many uh, not too many downs. No, there there are hops. Oh, come on, there are there are many downs. The the downs are <laughs> happening actually more often than successes. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the whole point is that you know, yes, you are celebrating. At at some point, you are celebrating. Mm. Maybe when you will actually see it, that, okay, the, the email that, yes, we are accepting you, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. It's one thing. But then you are seeing it like, okay, it's online. It's, they, they sent you the, the printed issue. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's real. It's true. It happened. Yeah. 
Is there is there a, a landmark of citations that is also considered like wow we got a thousand or or five hundred or ten thousand or is there a landmark of citations that also brings that kind of feeling of joy or accomplishment? Because I got five hundred likes on my reel. <laughs> not true yeah. you remember, you remember when we posted that first one yeah. a thousand um, likes in two minutes like oh something's wrong with this <laughs> I think it also it will depend on the you know the scale of the star we are talking about yeah for for big professors a paper reaching 50 citations is like meh nothing mm. for me paper with 50 citations actually the cancer nano has um, exceeded 50 like mm. two weeks ago and I was like oh, yeah Wow! Awesome! Awesome! awesome. They're like it's like with children. You see them growing. They're developing. People are actually reaching out there, and they are reading it. And it's like, wow! Someone understood it. Like, cool! I did a good job, actually. Nice. I got one citation, and I spoke to my lab mate for one hour. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, my PhD thesis got cited. That was surprising. Nice. Maybe a little little teardrop tattoos every time you get a second. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them would be black already. One. Uh, nice. Need anything else? No. Uh, very informative. Very interesting. Lots of lots of cool stuff. We had uh, said Zach, the, the movie guy, in here a little uh, a little while ago, and he's basically a professional in this field. And it's so cool to, to, to pick the brain of, of someone who really knows what they're talking about or just has gone through the process of uh, not just talked about it. You know, you've, you've walked the walk and it's really cool to. Uh, yeah. So I do have one more. Yeah. Polish sausage. Polish sausage. Yes. Uh, what is the name of it? Kielbasa. On the record. One more time. Kielbasa. Okay. Okay. Nate. Now, what do you call it? I say Kubica. What the fuck is Kubica? <laughs> Kubica is actually a surname of Polish F1 driver. Yeah. Robert Kubica. I just want to know so I can... Kubica. What do you call it? Also, police. What do you call it? Kubasa. <laughs> I draw Closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I just want to know so I, I'll try and say it more closely to what it is. We, But also part of it is anglicizing it. I mean, we say pierogies. You guys are piroshki, no? Pierogi. Pierogi. And, but in the Ukraine, it's piroshki. So, I mean, they're all, it just depends who you're, where your baba or nana's from. And, and I mean, you say it like them, and then your friends change it to the English version. So, if you're from Thunder Bay, you call it. But in Canada, Canada, there's a lot of kubasa, kolbasa, kielbasa. There's lots of different pronunciations of it. So, I just wanted to hear one of the, one of the original ones. <laughs> we got it now. We'll use this for reference. Irish Koreans call it not Vaija. Vaija? Vaccine. Vaija. 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 I touched my Vaija. <laughs> Don't touch my Vaija. Me too. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much for coming and wasting some time on a, on a Sunday morning, taking time away from the, the, the great work that you're doing. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Christ on a Bicycle. Check out our sponsor, Dr. English. It's your one-stop shop for all of your English conversational needs. Enjoy learning from the comfort of your own home. Call 010-4591-1496 for a free sample class. Take your English to the next level by visiting their website now, www.dr-english.com.